Hey there, this is Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Welcome to our podcast. Today's topic are just some musings on uh, the beginning of our mastery program this fall. Uh, I've got a number of students who are uh, just getting started. It's always so much fun to see how people approach this new field of endeavor for them. And they may come from a, a world where they're really skilled and have had years of experience doing whatever they were doing and and come to this woodworking fresh and ready to dive in. So that's that's good fun. One of the things that I try to impress on students right from the start is that it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time to get the hang of this stuff. Everyone uh, has some idea of what they'd like to build or a dream project. And at this point, their skills are, are not quite up to it. So some patience is required. Patience is always required. But uh, particularly at the start, you have to take your time, take your lumps, learn, uh, learn some basic stuff, and keep practicing. It is, it is constant. You have to just keep practicing. I, I taught myself how to do this work. That's such a bad idea. <laughs> um, but I, there was no one around who could teach me how to build furniture. I could go to a cabinet shop and be an apprentice there and learn how to build boxes. And, but that wasn't what I was interested in. I, I wanted to do something a little bit more fun. So I, uh, I taught myself. I got some books and tried to read between the lines and I squeezed those lines trying to get more information out of them. Um, I read my Ernest Joyce, the Encyclopedia of Furniture Making, and I read my Charles Hayward, uh, Woodworking Joints, and Cabinet Making for Beginners. Those were my books. Those were my Bibles, and I would go to them constantly trying to get information, trying to get more experience from them. You can't do it. Just like you can't go to YouTube and get experience. You can see how someone does it. You can see how it's done. You can see how someone holds their tools and themselves at the bench, and that's useful. But there's a difference being at a bench with a teacher who can correct you and point out things right on the spot. And I think that has some value. Um, learning on my own in the dark, so to speak. Uh, I just had to develop the habits that I developed. And if they worked, that was great. I was doing it right. And if they didn't work, that was great. <laughs> I was doing something. Uh, you know, for years I was hoping that uh, I was doing things right, but I had no idea. And And then I realized after some years that Many people had a different idea of what right really meant. Right meant one thing to one person and something completely different to another. When I was learning the craft, the guys in town that I looked up to were jig makers. They were big on jigs. They you know, never picked up a hand tool. They were always interested in a router jig or a shaper jig or some way of holding the work so they could spin it, you know, in some new and fantastic way. And uh, 
So it was different. It was different. No one was approaching it with the kind of approach that I was interested in, which was still unformed. That's always the tough, tough thing. Someone comes up to me and goes, boy, I really want to do woodworking. Okay, great. What do you want to build? I don't know. Well, that's a, that'll be a challenge because then they want to know what, what tools to buy. Well, what are you going to build? It goes back and forth. So I, uh, with the few mentors I had, went out and bought machines. And I bought a radial arm saw, which was a pretty lousy piece of equipment. But uh, I could struggle to make semi-accurate cuts <laughs> endlessly and put some silly things together. But I didn't have a reliable way of, of joining pieces. You know, I could cut dados and, and drive in screws. I didn't know how to hand cut anything. And my mortise work I was trying to do on the drill press. That's an okay method. But once I kind of picked up a router and started to play around with that, things started to open up for me. The ability to cut joints is, is a big deal for a furniture maker. Uh, you're a sculptor, you don't care. Uh, it's useful, useful to have them in your kit. If you're a furniture maker, you need to know how to put things together. And that was uh, key for me. How am I going to how am I going to put things together? So, the books that I recommend that my students read were important to me, uh, The Encyclopedia of Furniture Making by Ernest Joyce, and then the Bruce Hoadley book, Understanding Wood. That's a big one. That's a really it's a big book, but it's a it's an important book. It's a very important book that talks about wood, but it, you know, talks a little bit about how wood works and how it cuts and how it moves and, you know, all the many things that you need to really understand in order to be a adequate woodworker. I just saw a revised edition. There's even more information than that. So it's, it's a great resource, Understanding Wood by Bruce Hoadley. And getting some sense of wood's limitations and strengths is crucial. So there are three things we have to worry about as a, as a builder, as an engineer, as a designer. And, um, and the material uh, of wood. So we know that wood moves. You pay attention to it or not, as you, as you see fit. But wood moves, so we have to pay attention I think we have to pay attention to that in our building. How do we put things together? And um, are, they, are the pieces that you use in sync with one another? I built a cabinet. I still have it um, out of pine and plywood. And I used uh, frame and panel sides and a solid top and bottom. And that's a really bad idea. And it's slowly pulling itself apart because it's a really bad idea. And... Um, that's okay. I learned on that one. That was a long time ago. I learned on that one. And it, it uh, because the top and the bottom are expanding and mostly contracting now, and the frame and panel sides aren't moving, uh, the thing is, you know, showing some wear, showing a little wear around the edges. So um, that kind of understanding is important. There's uh, compression issues, uh, but that compression isn't a huge thing to to concern ourselves with. You know, you can have a pretty pretty tiny leg holding up a chair, um, 
and it could it can narrow down to three eighths of an inch and still hold you up. Um, so compression in, in in the end grain is not that big a deal. Compression in the long grain is a little bit, you know, it happens. Um, it's a little softer in the long grain than the long, than the end grain. But then there's tension, and that's that's an important one. Um, so tension along the uh, long fibers, the end grain, um, you can't pull a board apart that way. It won't come apart. Uh, we do see that every once in a while on a board at the lumber yard. You'll see a, it looks like it's been broken in two, um, and that's something called brash, which happens when they're falling the trees too quickly and drop one, one big old tree on the back of another and break both of them, most likely. Compression and uh, tensile failure. But tension along the long grain is really super weak. And that's what you got to know about. That's the one you got to pay attention to. Those guys uh, splitting pine boards with their elbows and foreheads and feet and things, uh, they're not popping it apart uh, on the end grain. They're popping it apart on the long grain. That's how you split a board. That's how you split firewood along the long grain. And so understanding that and trying to avoid that situation is really important. Uh, we had a chair that Sam Maloof built up at the school I used to teach at. And it was just a side chair. It wasn't a fancy, one of his fancy chairs. Uh, it was a side chair. And um, it had on the front leg a little section that came out from the leg that was, oh, I don't know, inch and a half tall or so. And that went into the seat. That's, that was his seat joint. And no one ever finished the chair. No one ever put screws into it. It needed two screws to hold it tight to that seat. Because of that short grain and because of the tensile failure that can occur there, well, it failed. Without those screws, it failed. And uh, that was too bad. So understanding that wood is very weak along the long grain uh, is, uh, is an important thing to put in your knowledge kit. For instance, when you're putting a wedge into a uh, through mortise and tenon joint, you have to put the wedge in so that it can't split the wood. If you put it in so that it can push against the end grain, it'll be solid. If you put it in so it pushes against the long grain, it could split things if it's putting enough pressure on the uh, long grain. No tensile strength there, so it could break. And then the last thing you need, really need to pay attention to is racking strength. Can your piece stand up to being racked? I built a piece one time, and it was a, it was a little end table, and it had slot mortise and tenons. I built two frames, and they were slot mortise and tenons together, and those were fine. But to connect those two together, I used dowels, through dowels, and glued them in. And then the next day, I put that little table on my uh, bench top and took a hand plane to it and started to hand plane the top edge of that uh, connecting rail and broke the joint. So no racking strength. You couldn't handle it. Plus, dowel joints are crappy joints. So that was, uh, that was a big lesson. There are two things you really have to worry about uh, in a piece of furniture. And, and these, are, these are real things. Uh, moisture and the furniture mover. Those are the two things you're going to worry about. The rest of the time, the piece just sits there. Most of the time, it just sits there. But the furniture mover gets their hand on it, and they're racking it all over the place. And that's when pieces fail. Or it gets dropped off the back of a truck. That's when pieces fail. 
So you have to build in strength either by increasing the size of your mortise and tenon joints or having good backs on cabinets to help hold things solid. Uh, and the shop I, I spent some time in, about a year's worth of time in early on, one of the guys there built a, a bookcase. Mark built this big bookcase. And then he put a solid oak back on the bookcase. There you go. And that thing expanded and blew out the joints. Nope. You can't glue that in. You have to allow for movement. A back is important to help give you that racking strength. And you have to build that in. One thing I have my students do and, and I urge them to do is, is to make models. Do a practice joint. Do a practice piece. See how it goes. See what you're going to learn from it. There's always, always stuff to be learned from uh, you know, doing a prototype. Just a quick one. Just to try out cutting the joints, whether you're cutting, by, cutting them by hand like my students are doing now for their little sushi boxes, or you're cutting them on a machine and you want to see how the setup goes. It's valuable information. It doesn't take that long, and it gives you feedback on how things are going to go and what you have to pay attention to when you're doing the real thing on the good wood. So, yeah, that practice part is, uh, is an important thing. My new students have also been spending some time learning how to sharpen, and that's critical. I, I find that having those sharp tools at the ready is, uh, is important to keep the process going, moving smoothly, flow, it keeps that flow happening. If I have sharp tools, the joints we're, we're cutting are, are being cut by hand, and so sharp chisels and sharp hand planes really make a difference. I'm also engaged with another student considering the basic principles that one must learn as they involve themselves with this woodworking. And uh, I think sharp is, is a big one. Uh, sharpness and what constitutes sharp in your shop is important. Flat, I think, is, a, is another big one. What's, what is flat? Square, I think, is overrated. In fact, I think, you know, every time you put your square on a, on a cabinet or something, it's just too depressing. Don't do it. It's just not worth doing. <laughs> I've seen my students, and they'll clamp something up, and then they put a square on it. Just don't do it. Measure the diagonals. Measure the diagonals. If they're close, call it good. You, you make your adjustments. I mean, if it's really out, you can rack the piece, put a clamp across the long diagonal, and take care of it that way. And that's, that's important to do. I'm not saying you sh it shouldn't be... Uh, it shouldn't be checked, but trying to get it perfect, yeah, giving up on that. I can work with imperfect pretty easily now, and that's a and that's a, a relief. Before, I used to try to make everything perfect, and I would fail. I would just have to get to the point where I'd say, ah, I can't get it. Now I just say, yeah, this is this will be good enough, and I can make this work because I know how to uh, how to make the adjustments on a cabinet cabinet door um, or a drawer drawer opening I can make my adjustments that helps speed things up I think another principle one might consider is warming up we don't warm up enough when we go to the bench and that practice I think is is valuable getting your head focused you need to uh, slow down in order to uh, to get this work done so that that's an important uh, important aspect of the work is, is learning to focus. Warming up, I think, helps with that focus. And of course, all students must understand that most important of principles, 
the principle of forgiveness. You've got to make mistakes doing this work. And um, you just have to power through them. Understand that they'll happen. You'll get better. The difference between a professional and an amateur woodworker is when the professional makes a mistake, they know how to fix it quickly and move on. That's it. So, you know, things will happen. You've got to learn to roll with it and uh, cut yourself some slack as you learn this stuff, take on this work. It's too much fun to be beating yourself up over. And that's the point, is to be enjoying ourselves with this, with this work, this important stuff. All right, well, I'm going to sign off. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, I appreciate your support on uh, coffee. If you have any questions, please uh, drop me a note. Happy to answer any questions that might pop up. And I hope you'll check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com, for our fall classes. We still have space available in our bench-making class. Yeah, I hope you'll uh, check things out. All right, take care. Bye-bye.